What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Michael Nellen, Vito Inozelli. We have another great show for you. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. How are we feeling, fellas? Exhausted. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long week, man. I'm not going to lie to you. A lot Ooh, going on. Tired. out of you watching those games. Well, I mean, there's that. I'm moving. Got stuff going on at home. It's been tough. <laughs> so tough. My I, honestly, well. nope, those, I, mean, I, gotta, those I can keep, keep going, going, honestly. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> keep your promise to yourself. Bottled up. Uh, but dude, yeah, those 10 p.m. kickoffs here on the East Coast, man. They are a little little rough when the game's ended at midnight. You got to go to work the next morning. Not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, but let's kick it off, man. We got some news and notes from around the world real quick. Uh, biggest one, at least uh, here in the United States, MLS strikes a big partnership with Apple. $2.5 billion over 10 years. Uh, it starts in 2023. The games look to be played on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Every game will be available. You don't need Apple TV+. Plus. Deals with ESPN and Univision likely still on, it seems like. And uh, big games will be uh, broadcasted nationally. What's your guys' uh, take on that one? Um, I think it's a... Honestly, a phenomenal move. I don't know how many people own Apple TV in general. That's a number I'd be curious about to see like the actual subscription list. But in terms of growing the game and making it more accessible, I think it's exactly the right way to do it. So kudos to the MLS. I know like we shit on them a lot and shit on the league a lot for the way that it's been run and whatnot. But from a viewership perspective, this is 1000% the way to go. And for how much money they're paying for it right now, in 10 years' time, especially after the World Cup, this might be, in hindsight, an amazing deal for for both both parties. I mean, it's a huge cash injection for all of these clubs if they're in the CPC. <laughs> I mean, who knows what the allocation percentage is for each of the clubs. But, I mean, you're talking about $250 million a year over the next 10 years divvied up amongst you know, 30-plus teams. It's not bad to put that in your pocket. Um, my worry as a fan is I've watched a lot of baseball through Apple TV, and they're – the announcers are awful. So oh, yeah. <laughs> they're terrible. I can't, I can't watch it. Um, so that that's worrying from my perspective, but the fact that we get to watch games nationally, um, especially like, you know, being a, being a New York guy my whole life and now living on the West coast, it's tough to get those East coast games. So this, this opens the door to things like that and keeps a lot of the fan base engaged across the country. So, I mean, I can only see this as an overall positive for, for the league, for the fans. Um, and hopefully this helps to propel the MLS, you know, more and more in the future. All right, wait a second, wait a second. How awful are we talking about these commentators? Are they like, like, what are we? Bad. Like, are they like swinging a miss? Like, they're just like, super oh. horny? When they, more, like, more, more, like, <laughs> more like you're listening to Alexi Lalas the whole fucking time. Like, I'm like, you're going to oh, see in front of your TV and be like, what the hell are you talking about? You have no idea what you're talking about right now. It's just, it was, baseball at least, it was more of like, it, it didn't seem like they really knew what they were talking about, like the like the local announcers to each of the teams do. Oh man, can't wait! I mean, it's got to be a step up from ESPN Plus. Like, I, yeah. like, we've tried watching games on there in the past, and like, it's so laggy, it's disjoint, like the connection sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically it feels like it's pixeled half the time. Even Fox Sports, um, when you watch it on apps, crashes on you here and there during the game. Yeah, so I mean, Apple having it, I actually, I pretty much, I would trust that a lot for the league. Um, kind of like Mike mentioned, I think it's a win-win. I, I think it's more of a win for Apple, especially with the World Cup being here in 20, 2026. Um, you imagine the game grows domestically at that point. Oh, yeah. And it's MLS actually evolve. might be – it should, definitely should. Yeah. Um, and MLS, I think, probably undersold based off that. They probably should have done more of a five- or six-year plan and renegotiated after. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for Apple, it's a massive win. But also for the league itself, it solves a lot of problems, right? There's ton- plenty of blackout games constantly. Um the schedule is ridiculous. It's so all over the place between Saturday, like weekend games, midweek games, brutal. different times. Yeah. yeah. So having it on Wednesdays and Saturdays specifically, I think is awesome. Every game is broadcasted available. Like, so exposure wise, exactly what they need is a league. The quality has gotten better over the last decade or so, even five years. I mean, yeah, I, I, I see nothing wrong with the deal. I think it's a smart move for both parties and yeah, a cash injection as well. Never hurts. It's nice to see the MLS start to align themselves a little bit more with the European game and the South American game in terms of like, you know, games are always played Saturdays and Sundays 
during certain times, there's one day for mid, maybe one or two days for midweek games. And it's kind of schedule based. So it's nice to see to your point, Steve, kind of a more um, structured approach to how this will be going forward and kind of making it more fair to an extent, right? Because now with the game scheduled on, on certain days, you're going to have an equal amount of rest time over more, more so overall in between match weeks compared to what the current format is where it's like, it's like hockey, like, Oh, you can play two games in three days or you can, you know, not play game for five. Like, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. And if they're smart with scheduling, like what baseball does specifically too, right? Like you take the Mets, you put them out on the West coast. Like they're there for a 10 game road trip or something like yes. that. Like you keep exactly. them in that time zone. Cause obviously it's yeah. very different here in the States compared to over in Europe. So let's just take England, for example, right? You're traveling in one time zone up and down a couple hours at most of transit here. It's a few hour plane, uh, plane flight like, or flight yeah so i i think that if they go a little bit more that round they're smart about it it could be it could be very helpful to the league and the players themselves too it makes it a lot easier on them mm-hmm. yeah definitely Absolutely. so uh some other big news out of europe obviously we've got some games going on but we had a, a very special coach uh to michael over there fired recently Pochettino let go at psg after winning league uh. oh yeah don't let anyone tell you he didn't want anything all right he won league uh <laughs> League, uh shit maybe <laughs> with 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 messi and Mbappe and neymar but i mean no no one has to know that. yeah, oh, yeah just leave, let, there's an asterisk there leave that out all right uh yeah i i mean i think it was probably the right move on both parties uh by all reports it seemed to be quote unquote mutually mutually respected i think psg obviously wanted him to go so they could bring zidane in um and i think potch was happy to make that move himself so i think it suits both parties probably fine there was a lot of turmoil and i don't think he was very loved by the paris supporters as it is so it, it yeah it, he's gonna have no shortage of uh of suitors for sure so his strengths i mean granted that was probably the first time ever he's managed like a team of like legit legit superstars that's not his strength his strength is taking a young core of players building them up doing what he did at southampton what he did at spurs what he did at espanol so i don't want to say i'm surprised that he didn't do as well as he did at PSG. However, to Vito's point, it's not like the writing wasn't on the wall, right? It was going to happen, yeah. especially after Mbappe signed that deal where they essentially gave him the keys to the kingdom. Whatever that guy says at this point goes, and if he wants to link up with his, his legendary French playing partner or coach, you know, Zidane, then what's going to stop that? So let me ask you something then, because obviously this has been a long time coming in terms of like the year, right? Like it's, it's been talked about and hinted at for a little while now, knowing where the managerial seat was at United. Um, and obviously the rumors flying around between trying to get Posh to come in. Do you think Posh said no to United and they ended up going with Ten Hag? Or do you think he wasn't I, fully sure if he was leaving yet towards until like recently? I would say no to United if I were him. Fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? That club is a mess. It's an yeah. absolute mess. But then also, you know, maybe from the side perspective, devil's advocate, maybe that's more leverage for him to come in and say, all right, I want the keys to the kingdom. I want full power and tra- ability over transfer, scouting, et cetera. So I'm sure he played that card and they maybe didn't give it to him. Like they gave it to Ten Hag or maybe they are underplaying what Ten Hag is actually getting. But I personally, if I were him, I wouldn't go to Man U. I think another position opens up for him that will be just as juicy. Someone, like you said, they'll they'll snap at him because he's a world-class coach at the end of the day. Right. You think uh, Premier League back on the, uh, on the charts? or? Here's one for you that I think could potentially happen. I'm going to call this once – yeah, once once Eddie Howe yep. crap, craps the bed, yep. Newcastle comes calling. I guarantee you that's he'll be where on the he list. Will. Yeah, guarantee you that's where he'll be the number one target for them. Uh, the question is, does he go and does he support that? Obviously, he supports Qatari money and PSG. Let's just go into another state-backed club in Newcastle. <laughs> so. <laughs> the morals align. I like it. <laughs> so I can see that then, happening. Uh, yeah, I can see that happening. All right. Last thing I wanted to cover over there. Obviously, we've had a lot of international games going on recently. Too many to cover. But um, two big notable names. France, England. Terrible, terrible windows leading up into the World Cup. I think they have one more um, Nations Leagues coming up, right? Maybe in September or something like that. Um, But both of them went no wins, two draws, two losses. Are we feeling a France exit in the group stage? Absolutely not. That's previous. You're, you're, what are you smoking to even yeah. suggest that question? 
So you go to the hospital. You know the statistic? <laughs> you're, at, you're literally, you're senile. Yeah. You're senile. <laughs> no <laughs> way. Your birthday was recently. You might have dementia. You need to go get checked out. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's way way too soon to be clicking any type of panic button on on those two. Um, if if anything, the one I would be worried about more so than the other would have to be England, just because in Southgate we do not trust. Um, his tactics are super suspect day in day, match in match out, and um, I don't think he has a very good grip on that team, regardless of the quantity or the quality of talent. I think France is in a much better position than England, but I wouldn't be worried about either of them at this stage. Look, I'm just saying. Ever since the U.S. qualified for the World Cup, all right? You look at the games after, England starts crapping the bed. I'm just I'm just not trying to drive correlation by causation, but, you know, something to be conscious of. They could be a little scared, just a little scared. Yeah, I, not right. to mention, France has maybe one of the easiest groups at this point with, um, what is it? The IC playoff one spot was what, Australia? Yes. Um, and then it's Denmark and Tunisia. So if I'm France, I'm not too worried about it at this point. I get it. But four of the last five champions have all been knocked out in the group stage in the next World Cup. Mm. That's interesting. But this France team, is it was really different. <laughs> this is maybe one of the best national teams ever. <laughs> you, you say that, but okay, it happened to France. They won 1998, lost, were knocked out group stage uh, 2002. Not so necessarily the best teams either. Uh, Italy, same thing. Won in 2006, gone in 2010, bounced. Spain, the Spain team. Wins in 2010, knocked out in 2014, group stage. Yeah, but they won Germany. the Euros the following year. They did. They? Fucking weird. <laughs> um, Germany, 2018. Same thing. They got bounced. Like, it's not it's not out of the cards, in my opinion. It, it happens every single year, apparently. Every, or every single World Cup. Lately. I mean, given the group that they're in no disrespect to Tunisia and Australia. I just do not see them dropping points to either of those teams. I'm sorry, Denmark, maybe, but yeah, I don't, I don't see it. Tunisia's going all the way, bro. England, on another hand, we can go there. I'm just, maybe <laughs> now they'll, they'll probably run train to the group. So I don't know. Our group's weird though. Like Wales, I, I we're going to give them a good game. I think Wales would. Iran's kind of sneaky. They've been what the last three world cups, I think, give or take. Yeah. Not a bad team. They're not horrible either. So it's, I don't know. I listen, I tossed, I tossed the 10 around USA to win the group. Well, 700 odds seem too good. So, I mean, I'm on that train. That's enough about Europe. Let's head over to the Stars and Stripes section of the show where we cover all everything United States men's national team related from the players, the team, all that kind of stuff. So we had two more games over this last window, a 5-0 win over Granada, and then a 1-1 draw against or at El Salvador on quite possibly one of the muddiest pitches, if not the worst pitches we've seen in quite a long time. Um, let's break down the, the Granada game real quick. A couple quick things. For our four goals, could have easily been seven or eight. We do expect – like. This is a weird one for me, right? Four goals is awesome for our striker for a team that has poor goal scoring abilities from our number nine in the last what year, year and a half feels like. I don't even think this solidified the spot for him, though. No, I mean it's I don't think so. It's it's the 170th team. I mean, there's what 213 sovereign nations in the world, whatever the number is, and they're 170. No, it, this was a tune-up match, and it took us a little while to grow into there. And uh, I, I think I said it last week. Well, you and I were just on the, the pause, Steve. And before that, it was one goal from open play in 13 matches. So while it's great that we're getting, we got four goals from Jesus Ferreira, um, I, I don't put much stock into a match against a team that is never going to qualify for the World Cup, probably. No disrespect to Granada, but let's just call a spade a spade, right? That was a match where if he didn't do this, like we had bigger issues. Like he's, like, yes. he's not the guy. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, you, you expected this score line to be at least four Oh, and I think that's what you said last week. So you were hit, hit it basically right on the head. I mean, anything less than one goal from him, two goals, maybe was, would have been, would have been disastrous. So I don't think this put him higher in my thoughts um, in terms of who should get that number nine role come the world cup, but it obviously didn't hurt it at, at any point either. Uh, no, I, I agree with that. It, my biggest gripe with Ferrara so far, I mean, yes, he's had some problems finishing. We 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 can harp on that all we want. It's my it, my biggest thing is against the quality of opponents, right? So when we play FIFA ranked opponents one through fifty, he has two hundred and five minutes and five appearances. 
So average of what, like 40, basically, basically a half, right? For each game, zero goals, zero assist, nothing. 51 through a hundred, five appearances. as well. 266 minutes, only one goal, one assist. Yeah. Teams 101 through 170, two appearances, 154 minutes. So what, basically 75 minutes each game. Yeah. Six goals, three assists. That's where all this. So everyone that's saying that the keys are most consistent goal scorer over the last, or like highest goal scorer, it's stat padded. Nitty thing. Yeah. And it's not like we're going to play, uh, you know, 100 through 170 in the World Cup. You're talking about playing everyone's top 50 nations. One top 50 tops. I mean, realistically, if you make it to the World Cup, you're top 32, realistically. But um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. It's, the, the numbers don't mean anything to me. Like I, I had this conversation recently about baseball, right? Where it became like batting average doesn't mean much anymore. It's like RBIs and et cetera. Soccer to me is the same thing. I don't, I don't care what your total numbers of goals are. I can't, I care about who you did it against and if, when you did them, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Is it, is it impact number. or not? Yeah, exactly. Are you an Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Way better way of putting that an impact player. And regardless of the fact that even someone like Haji, Wright Isn't putting numbers up on the board. I feel like him and the team, the team plays so much smoother and his runs are so much stronger. Like, yeah, he's still having yeah, we'll, issues here and there, but well, yeah. We'll get to Haji because I, I have a very big bone to pick with uh with Burhalt there. I wish I could just sit down with him, you know, for just like a half an hour across the table and just have a nice chit chat. You know? <laughs> um, dude, honestly though, Granada did not look promising in the first half. I we played so ugly, so disgusting. Oh so bad. A heavily rotated roster, but it also made me realize there's a reason a lot of these guys are on the fringe of the World Cup roster, if not yeah. definitely off. Um, the only bright side from the first half, in my opinion, maybe two of you, Cameron Carvickers played relatively pretty well, but like not, there wasn't too much to go off of. They didn't really have many attacks, but I thought Long also made a bunch of mistakes. But um, Luca De La Torre was by far the brightest person in that game and in our first half. The only person moving the ball forward, making driving runs, any type of offense was through him. Like, that's it. Like, that's all we had. Aronson comes on in the second half, starts killing it. Um, things start to change up a little bit. We, you know, we got the first goal, got the second. They started to collapse a little bit. Um, that's pretty much, dude, that was it, though. Like, Morris and Ariola. Morris did score the, 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 the tire one. I get it. But for 60 minutes or however long he played a little bit into the second half, he was stonewalled by the 170-ranked defense. I'm sure half these guys don't even play in like the top-tier divisions in whatever country they're in. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but like yeah. I, stonewalled, could not go anywhere, couldn't move the ball. Like he was, like he's not the Jordan Morris of when he was younger. This injury has definitely played an impact on him, and I'm sorry for him. He's not a bad dude. I don't mean to shit on him. He's not national team level anymore. No, I I, I agree, and I was thinking about it even when I when I saw him coming on in. Um, the else was El Salvador. I can't lose my mind here. We should um, we should actually we should actually post a screenshot of you, your mind conversation <laughs> <laughs> and be like we were wrong. Dig <laughs> yeah, that back, but um, no, no I, mean, I mean, yeah, he scored in, even in the El Salvador game. We'll get to that one in a minute, but I, I agree with you. I, it just feels like at this stage in his career, Jordan Morris is is riding the wave that he had when he became the big guy to begin with, when he got drafted out of college and he was the number one overall pick. Right. And it just felt, it just feels like that's really his claim to fame and his claim to success at this point, not the, not his goals and his contributions that he's makes to the team running off the ball and the effort that he puts in. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't put an effort. I, I don't mean for it to sound like that, but I definitely agree with you that he's not the guy you want to see coming off the bench, especially in a tight game. Um, and, but yeah, I, I will say, Luca Del Torre, man, this this kid has some fire. And 24 years old, running around like a madman, is able to connect the play very, very well. Looks very confident, calm with the ball at his feet, and he just looks like a natural—I don't want to say successor, but a, a natural fit to this midfield that we have with with Eunice, Tyler, uh, and and you know Aaron, Sid, and McKenny. So it's really good to see that we have some squad depth there because obviously we've said it in the past, yeah, our midfield is 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 by far and large the strongest point in our team, and it's nice to know that. If God forbid one of these guys go down with injury or fatigued, uh, we have someone like him that's able to come off the bench seamlessly and just slot right into the squad. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. And then we have someone like Ariola as well. I mean, exactly that that entire first half, same as Morris, who just stonewalled, terrible going forward, turned it over, couldn't do anything. If he doesn't get that goal and an assist in that second half against a very depleted defense at that point, 
Yep. If he wasn't off Burhalter's roster, I don't know what else you, you could possibly do to not make it. Like he's he, like Luke, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no I'm yeah. talking about Ari- Ariola. Oh, Ariola. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like, very good. Ah. He was no, no, he was horrible. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking about Colin Acosta. Um, I actually did like Costa a decent amount. He's that de- he's definitely locked in behind Adams for my yeah, for, for the World Cup. But like, dude, like he he's effort can only bring you so far when you don't have technical ability to break down defenders. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, we have amazing depth at winger right now. We have Pulsic, Aaron's on the left, uh, Wea, Reyna on the right. You can also swap in other guys in there. I don't know, some guy named Conrad who has been out of the picture for a while. I would take Conrad. 30 times over Morris or Ariola right now. And he hasn't even been in the squad in God knows how long. Yeah. Disgusting. Baralter has quite the affinity to him for some un, some reason unbeknownst to us, you know? Verticality. No, we know it. it's verticality. And I, I, I don't know how many times you can say that about a person, but a lot of, a lot of uh, United States men's national team players could run straight if asked for. Maybe he's got a sick bounce pass. You ever think about that behind the back? Ozil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that kills me. But all right, let's head over to the one-one draw with El Salvador. Um, first big talking point on my on on my end. Horvath, do you think he misses guitar after the big mistake on the near post? I think I'm it depends. I think it depends on what happens with his club situation because if he rumors are that the current keeper at Nottingham Forest wants to leave. And if that's the case, he'll get game in, game out time at Nottingham in the Premier League, right? Not necessarily. But hypothetically, let's just put this out there. And if he is playing for Nottingham week in, week out in the Premier League, you know, do you want the guy who's playing every day or every weekend? Or do you want the two guys, or do you want to put in someone like, you know, Bill Hamid, who's a good, or Sean Johnson, who are both good options, but. I think Horvath has proven his worth, and he's also statistically been one of the best keepers when called upon for Nottingham and the championship and just in general. So I think it's a blunder, yes, but does that automatically disqualify him off the plane? I'm not entirely sure. He'll be at the World Cup. I, I, there's, I don't think there's any way for him not to be at the World Cup. Greg's going to be three, bring three goalkeepers. It's going to be Turner, Stefan, and Horvath because Johnson's not going to get the call up. He hasn't played consistently over the last 11 years, really, at this point. And Horvath has done enough to show that he is capable when he's in net. Yeah, he made a mistake there. Sure, I completely understand it. He's not going to be the first-choice goalkeeper, not while Turner and Stefan are in the picture, but I think he makes a squad to be that that emergency goalkeeper position. So I think he'll be on the plane. Yeah. Okay, interesting opinions. Yeah, yeah, I'm 50 Sorry, just one more thing. Just With that being said, I think before that game, given the fact that there's, like, what, two more games before the World Cup, I think that was his chance to try to put himself in position for number two goalkeeper. And I think that's now gone. Yeah. Okay, yes. I, I could hundred percent see that. Um, the only reason I'm saying, but Mike about the non M4 stuff, uh, the news actually came out today that they're looking at Dean Henderson uh, exactly. bringing on loan and everything. I, so I saw that if it's not Samba, it does, it doesn't, it, there's a reason it feels like they're not going to Horvath right away. So if it's not Samba, it's going to Henderson. Um, so he I might did, be on, a side note, on a side note, that'd be quite a move by Nottingham if they're able to get huge moves. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So um, probably on a loan. I can't imagine a permanent transfer. It's a, it's a loan with a pe- just from rumors already. It's a loan with a um twenty million dollar uh buyout afterwards. That could prove to be pretty cheap in this market. Yeah, for an English Definitely keeper. Yeah. Um, moving back to El Salvador game though, tough first half in my opinion. Obviously, dropping the goal right away. El Salvador basically just packed in the defense a little bit. The pitch itself, I don't feel like we were playing to what we were trying to play U.S. style, which is passing at like out of the back and doing all that kind of stuff now, playing more of a possession game, which I'm fine with. On that kind of field, though, it's also going to be a lot more difficult to just play that way on top of a team mm-hmm. playing nine guys behind the ball, maybe all 10. So it was good to kind of see it switch up a little bit. What's your guys' take on Reggie Cannon? I feel like he got all this, these minutes during camp, way more than Yedlin. I thought he's not that great going forward defensively. Eh. Um, I think if you had to put a one, two, I think it'd be death Yedlin. And then maybe you put Reggie there. I think him and I think who is the other one? Bella who plays. Bella's more of a left Bella's back, but then left. you have Jack Moore who wasn't in this one. I mean, Joe Scally can play left or right back. I'm not saying. I don't, he's I don't there think yet, Joe, I don't think Joe's there yet for this world cup either, but I mean, maybe he sneaks on as that like just 
artillery, like or utility guy that should play both positions if needed as a extreme backup, similar to Horvath, but I'm not sure he's done enough to necessarily earn a spot either. And I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't called in. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll get the call. I don't think Greg's going to go to the World Cup without that, knowing the injury concerns with Des at this point in time. We'll see how healthy he is, obviously, at, at that stage. But, I mean, Yedlin's not getting any younger either. He doesn't have the pace and legs there. But I think if you had to, I think Cannon could play both wings if he had to. And I think that's a factor that, that you have to take into consideration as well. Well, again, I think he's in the same place as Horvath. I don't think he, he's gone up or down, in my opinion, but I think he's a guy that is still going to make the trip for the depth purpose. Obviously, we all know who's going to be the starting right back. That's not a question. But, um, I mean, there's so many questions in the center back position right now. I think you take defenders where you can get them. So, I think he'll be on the on the roster. He does play center back, too, for clubs sometimes, right? Or, like, that right center back, I think, in the back three. I could, I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, he does like the venture forward, too, which is always nice. Um, I mean, we see that with Andrew with, going up there. Not not fantastic. I understand that. I mean, he's not like Destin and Jedi. I mean, no one on our team plays the wing back positions like those two guys. Um, but I think he's a little bit more suited to it than Yedlin at this stage in Yedlin's career. All right. Crossing yeah. definitely needs some work, but at least he ha- he has the ambition to go forward, which is nice. A lot of times you don't see that in some some defensive players, the wing back positions. Feel that. Um Great fight back in the second half uh, to come back, grab, grab a point as well. Um, Ariel, Ariel's red card. I, I'm not saying it was a red card. What I criticize him most on is putting himself in a position for the ref to make that decision. Uh, Cause you have a high boot. You're coming in recklessly. I think if VAR is there, I don't, I don't even think it gets overturned. I'm just surprised that of that entire game, that was, <laughs> There's a lot of questionable. There's a fouls. lot of fouls. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of questionable. And now with the one, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, but to me, that just that's just something that hurts him as well. Like, okay, you take off away a great offensive player who's doing really well right before that. He was linking up with Musa constantly, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna bring Ariola on for my effort, my verticality, and everything else that he brings, you know, and a four foot touch in front of him. Then gets a red card, completely. Like it's basically you just took off Waya. And you're like, all right, I'm going to play with 10 guys. Yeah, look, first and foremost, I don't think it was a red card, but I do agree with you, probably wouldn't have been overturned. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like he played the entire game. I mean, he came on in the 62nd minute and was sent off in what, like the seven, seven minutes later, I think it was? Yeah, like the 70th minute. It's just, it doesn't make It's like, I, I, under, I understand, but that was a great move that they were putting together too. That was a lot of good interchanging uh, interchanging play with some overlaps running around, and it, he was in the corner of the box. I understand the aggression aspect of it, and I like to see that. Like I, I like that challenge going in, but it's a bad challenge to make at that point in time with your team down a goal. The best-case scenario is you fouled the player. You're, he was never getting to the ball either, so it's definitely questionable decision-making. Um, but, yeah, it definitely it's definitely a hindrance, and it's not the first time he's made some, some questionable decisions in his tackle this year. Just questionable decisions in general. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I just we're we're about to get to it and everything, but uh, also congrats to Morris on the goal. I, sorry, I just don't think you still should still see the field, but regardless, um, my my whole this is where my whole thing comes up here, right? Greg's comments after the game. I don't know if you guys heard them or not, but um, pretty much roundabout here. Here's how it went, right? You get, this is regarding Haji as well. It's always difficult when players get a chance and they don't capitalize on it. It's difficult for the coaches. It's difficult for the teammates. We thought he could be a force, but that just wasn't his, it just wasn't his night tonight. It's kind of an essence of what he said. Um, he also said later on, it didn't rule him out of the world cup uh, playing the guitar, but from taking that, it seems relatively, I mean, it's, it's, easy, it's, it's easy to judge somebody like that when you give them an opportunity and I, and I get it. Like not every game is going to be great, but, that field was just fucking atrocious, atrocious. And you, and like, you're judging him on like the first half where he did have a couple of, he missed a couple, one or two opportunities. He had one, he had one opportunity. That was it. One opportunity. And that's fine. Maybe as a striker, he should at least put that on target, but he also had like two or three great pieces of play in buildup. And there was one opportunity where I remember him specifically on the sideline in the first half, body a man off, roll his man, and then run down the line. He had Aaronson streaking in the middle. The guy just made a great block on the clear. 
Oh, and he yeah, went across. If not, it's probably a goal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I don't see the reason for that. And then especially you give someone like Ferreira, who, again, he had a great exactly. game. Yeah. Again, he had a great game. But again, it's a, such a lower quality opponent. On a, uh, let's be honest, a better field. Like, obviously, you're going to see more chances and get more of an opportunity. Not to say Ferreira isn't good and doesn't deserve it, but it's hard to compare them in that sense. So, see, this is, this is what annoys me too. Like, I feel like he has an agenda. And like, correct me if I'm wrong here. Feel free to. Like, Ferrara, Ariola, Morris, Zardes, Linjet, Jackson Yule. I mean, I can, I, you can go on and on. All these players, ironically, from MLS numerous chances and consistently poor performances yeah. consistently never but never critiques them publicly praises them for the most ridiculous things areola verticality effort like congrats like every player on team can give you that but why is he going after haji all of a sudden like that or like someone like you know p folks been the roster hasn't missed never you know not to be seen again for a little bit like he's he was brought into this camp to make a potential effort to get onto this roster and he treated them like shit he gave him one start, 45 minutes on the worst field possible imaginable. The team played like crap in the first half around him, so it wasn't even that. You, you never even gave the guy a fair chance. Like, why didn't you bring him in? Not only that, too, but, like, you kind of get the feeling, especially after his first goal where Pulisic gives him the penalty, right? That Like, the team's they, behind him. Yeah, the team wants him to be in that yeah, position. Like, they want him to do well. Not to say they don't want everyone else to do well, but you can obviously tell there's an added bonus to him doing well, right? Yeah. yeah. So, These guys have played before. They play at the youth level look, together. Him, like him, Pulisic, Adams, McKenney, like they were all together. Like that was the core group. And, and let's not forget the, the, the main the main thing here for me is you can talk about like your your point, Mike. Everyone's all these strikers are missing chances, right? It, it's not like it's just him that's doing everyone. It. Everyone's missing chances, but no one pro, no one gives more to the team, not just in effort, but in terms of overall play structure when they're not scoring. And out of the strikers, then Haji, right? His runs in, his runs in the channel, pulling off defenders and opening up space. His hold-up plays better than Ricardo Pepe and Josh Sargent. So when you're looking at all these strikers not scoring, still the best fit, in my opinion, still has to be Haji for what he's bringing to the table and allowing the rest of the team to play around him at the same time. I would Regardless say, on a side note to that, the only other striker that could do that link-up play as well as him, uh, and it's going to be a hot take, is Sargent. As much as he has his issues in front of goal finishing, I don't disagree. Sorry, Sergeant is he is a great he is very good at keeping the hold up play and making stuff happen around him almost as like a false time coming in. So and, and let's let's also not forget too in that game and against El Salvador, Ferreira had a ball, a beautiful ball played on a, a terrible field condition towards the end of the game that could have sealed the game when he rounded the keeper and then kicked the ball on the ground. You know the ground is shitty, and instead of just lifting the ball into a net with an empty net. He slid on the ground and got cleared off. So if we want to talk about missed chances, that has to go down as probably one of the most clear-cut chances for a striker that game overall. He's had two at least that come to mind to me. I, I, I don't, I don't want to pick on Ferreira. I'm just trying to say that, like, yeah. if all it's the strikers the are missing, one. it's why are you picking someone out? Because this isn't the first time he's doing it. Look what he's doing with, with John Brooks. When you have, what, one first-choice center back at this point in time, and you're still going to throw shade at the one guy who can come in and probably fix the problem for you, and now you have one of the guys that clearly the whole team wants to play with in Haji, right? And you're going to publicly, publicly comment on him as, oh, you miss chances. It hurts the team. Yeah. My, my, like, and then to go on and say, like, about him at this, it, it doesn't rule Haji out for anything in the future. We don't work like that. It was, unlo- it was just an unlucky night for him. Where have we heard I would that? I 100% before? disagree. Where? Like, how does it not work like that? Where, like, have, you heard, where have you heard that before earlier? Where have you heard that before earlier in the World Cup qualifiers? Who else did that pop up with? Doesn't rule him out. It's all about form, right? Missed your opportunity, it's, it's dude. It's total bullshit, dude. It, it's it's amazing. Like how? Did, like oh my god. Dude. And you're gonna tell me there's not an agenda? Like bullshit. Like come yeah, on. Like well, it's no surprise. I mean, we all know he loves the MLS players. He was recalling Zardes until it was clear that Zardes wasn't up to scratch because he has an affinity with him. He's worked with him in the MLS. He's an MLS player. Did it work out? Okay, now you can't bring him. But he brought him for what half of the World Cup qualifying matches overall, probably. At least yeah, the first half before right. it went down the drain. It's just frustrating as a fan. Like it, he, it feels he, like the writing's on the wall. Like to, to who to who to bring in. He plays the non MLS players that have to be in the squad. Our midfield, Pulisic, Wea, Robinson, right? Are are guaranteed bit. Everyone else that isn't a guaranteed starting role, he goes with 
his favorites, not with who's going to bring the most to the team. That's what it, it feels, feels like. The other guy has to fight twice as hard for that same position. Yes, he's he's not he's going to be given half the chances, and if he doesn't perform, you're gone. Yeah, I feel the like I, guy gets the, it's like it's, it's like enough. fucking Donnie Vanderbeek with half this team right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like can't get a, can't get a fair look. And you're right; he gave oh. him 45 minutes. 45 minutes is not enough in one game to show what you can do, especially when you just are brought into the national team. Yeah, it's it's there's no way to critique him fairly upon upon this window. And if he doesn't get into the next, um, do we have what two more games in Concacaf Nations League? Yeah, but they come like two, right like, before the World, the World Cup. Yeah, the roster is going to be locked. It's too late. Yeah, it's way too late. There's no way. This it's going it. it's, it's it's it. to be the full 26 at that point that he's bringing. Okay. Would you? If who do you think Greg, Greg has to bring three strikers? You got to figure. Given this, this the woes, right? Who's the three he brings? Haji Pifo. Who, oh, who should he bring? Or no, who, who will he bring? Really? Uh, it's going to be Ferrara. That's guaranteed. I would imagine Pifoak. I would think, and then probably Pepe. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, I, I can. Okay. No, who he has been healthy? Be not too far. I right. think it should be Pepe, Pepe, Haji. And Ferrer. I would say P Folk, Haji, Fuck yeah. then Pepe. Yeah, probably yeah. Ferrer out, actually. I mean, I like Ferrer a lot. I, I do. But uh, yeah, listen, we're, we're kind of just shitting on him a little bit because of like just the most, he's just been the most recent one. Like, right? Like, there's been like, or Pepe maybe if you want to go on form, then maybe you say P Folk, uh, Haji, and then uh, Ferrer. Like, yeah. like to what you were saying. But. It's like, yeah. oh, look, he's Ferreira scoring goals in the MLS. Okay, congratulations. But when you come up against a team like England, ranked in the top five in the world, I don't care how you perform in the MLS when you haven't scored a goal in qualifier, when you barely score goals in qualifiers in the Nations League against teams that are just breaking the top 75. Yeah. And some, and some it's a different playing. caliber. I, I, I want the guy who's playing in Europe at that point. I want the guy who's, who's going to give you something outside of goals specifically because Ferreira doesn't hold up play at all i can't wait for the form discussion to come in like when greg's like oh i brought this guy in because you know he's in great form right now and then haji and pifo can be probably scoring their asses off in, the, in their respective leagues and then we'll be like so what about them yeah <laughs> can't wait dude can't absolutely can't wait um let's just show so some stocks that went up some stocks that went down um in my opinion i'm just gonna kind of read them all for you up uh, Musa, because you know he was uh, with aronson basically killing it lately Musa's position kind of seemed a little bit threatened um, but this past game against El Salvador, this guy was on an absolute mission, and he was very, very close to netting quite a few goals for us. Um, Luca De La Torre, same situation. He's fighting. He was fighting for a spot. Absolutely locked it up, in my opinion. Uh, Cameron Carter Vickers, I thought actually did really well in his you know appearances that he played for us. Maybe a little shaky in the very first one, just at the start. Maybe he had some nerves going. But after that, I mean, in my opinion, he's on our roster right now. Uh, I, I wouldn't down. say so. I, I wouldn't say he's so. a – no. I mean, I thought he honestly looked a little – a little more than shaky. I mean, I thought there was a couple times when crosses came in and he just didn't look like, not that he doesn't attack the high ball, but it looked like he just kind of let stuff float right by him. To be frank, I, I'm not sure if I'm not sure he gets a call in. All right. I like different opinions. Um, Horvath, I would put thumbs down. Um, just give him the gold in your post like that. Just bad luck. Uh, Cannon was my thumbs down. Uh, Ariel and Morris. Yeah, I mean, the, the, obviously the standout two are Musa and Luca De La Torre. It's unfortunate that both these guys are mid, the two best players. The two best stock raises are both midfielders given the depth we already have there. I wish it was maybe a striker with the thumbs up right now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I think it's, no question. Also thumbs up. Yeah, it, it's no question. I mean, our starting lineup, our starting midfield is is – Locked, Steve. You and I debated it for a little while. What we thought would be the best, given the you know the types of opponents we'll be facing, etc. But I think no matter what happens, you pretty much are going to go with a three-man midfield in McKenney, Adams, and and Eunice Musa to start the World Cup. I don't think there's another way you can you can tie that out. No. Yeah, it's it's going to be dependent on on who we're playing though too. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean that, that's pretty much all I got from United States perspective. Um, when I thought about this window, you guys got anything else to add to it? Nothing, nothing. Just more or less. I don't know if we brought it up, but uh, Costa Rica as a Concacaf team making the World Cup too, but not U.S. Not. related. They are, they are there. Uh, Australia yeah. also qualified as well, and somebody else too, right? 
No. No, the, the last two. Just well, the last obviously, two. but that was previous. Those were the that last two. We covered that last episode. Okay. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. Yeah. It's big for Gunn. Um, heading over to the. Yeah. Well, well, we got four teams, right? Yeah. Costa Rica, Mexico, Canada, US. And us. Um, heading over some transfer news over in the Premier League, though. Obviously, the biggest, biggest talking point we're going to see, Nunez to Liverpool. How do you guys think this compares to the Holland, and does this change the tighter race balance in any sense? No. <laughs> um, Nunez is good, but he's not Holland good. I'm sorry. That that team is – I'd be very surprised if they honestly don't break 100 points. I'm, I'm going to call it right now for City. I think Liverpool will be right in that bracket, low 90s, but – I'm not sure you're going to get as much out of Nunez in the first year as you will get out of Holland in the first year. I wish I could right, be, even, I wish I could be a fly totally. on the wall of Pep Guardiola's conversations with the sporting directors of Man City after every season. Hey, guys, <laughs> I need another $400 million. Why? I didn't do it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it's – I mean, if you're looking at Holland and Nunez and you had to decide who's going to go where, I think they landed in the right spots, both for themselves and both of their teams. I think Nunez yeah. – Fit in perfectly with the style and the system that Klopp likes to run in that high tempo and then that like that very very fluid interchangeable offense um and City needed a guy you know a, not necessarily Holland's not necessarily a poacher but he he's what that team needs they have enough wingers and midfielders to make driving runs and I got the Bruins gonna have a field day um but I think it's a good signing for both those teams especially for Liverpool at this point with Nunez because I think that's a guy that could hit the heights that you saw Fernando Torres hit with Liverpool. It's Luis Suarez, Uruguayan. Really Luis Suarez, yeah, they're even better. Yeah. yeah. I think he's more of a line to a, a maybe a Fernando Torres type player, though. Yeah. I mean, I'd be curious to see because obviously Divock Origi left. Um, so where does this put Roberto Firmino? Where does this put uh, Jota? I'm assuming he'll be on the left a little bit more often than that Mane is potentially out to Bayern. So yeah. I'm but, wondering how this no, shapes yeah, the going to be out there. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious where how they fit and where they fit him at. And uh, you don't see you don't see Klopp switching up his formation to like a 4-2-3-1 to slot maybe uh, Jota in behind Nunez, a striker. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, the attacking options are still pretty plentiful. With Mane now virtually out the door, it's, it did answer that question at least because they needed someone to replace him. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, Pasuma to Spurs. Mike, how do you like that move? Um to be determined. <laughs> so I think as a footballer, he's a great player. I've, every time I've watched Brighton, I've always been very jealous that they had him in the center of the park. He's always been a standout, standout player, him and Tariq Lamptey in particular. Um, so from that perspective, I'm very excited and to see how Conte molds him as like a six that's able to break the line, dribble past people, almost reminds me of like a Musa Dembele type in a little bit. As a person, obviously, he has the – we have to acknowledge this, or I have to acknowledge this. He has the sexual allegation or sexual assault uh, charges pulled up against him, whatever that is going on. So, obviously, that's a major concern. And hopefully, you know, you know, one way or the other, he's either innocent or if he's guilty, they just get rid of him because I don't want that shit on my team. But um, that being said, <laughs> as, a true, as a footballer, and we'll just keep it at that point um, – I think he would be a good fit for that Tottenham midfield. And I think he's an automatic upgrade and over Benteker, over Hoiberg, over Skip. So it, it's a good signing from that perspective. I feel you on that one. Um, other transfer news we got Stolnina almost locked up to Chelsea. It looks like $10 million move. Uh, Kepa's basically on his way out. Many's 30 years old. I don't know if Chelsea's transfer policy is changing it at all, but. Typically, when players become 30 years old on them, they're very reluctant to give them longer contracts, one, two-year deals at most. The loan rules are also changing. Might not be a bad move for him, actually. Yeah, I mean, some of the biggest clubs in the world are after him. You know, he's obviously a, a very, very highly regarded talent. And and in terms of that one, two-year deal, obviously, that's now out the window pending, uh, pending to see, at least, with the... Uh, Todd Bailey, the consortium coming in and buying up the club. Um, yeah, I think it's a good time for him to make that move. I mean, he's, he's been phenomenal in the MLS this season. Obviously it's a, a different caliber to the, you know, to Europe. So we'll see what happens. He is going back, correct me if I'm wrong on, a, like as soon as the purchase is done on a loan move back to the MLS though, if memory serves. Um, I haven't seen the actual deal. So the contract, I, I just saw the price tag. I wouldn't be surprised. It's typically how that, how that works pretty often. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a good. I mean, ten million, ten million for a guy this highly regarded seems like a good deal. I mean, it's it's he's only eighteen years old, so we'll we'll see what happens. But um, I don't see any per- particular downside to this at the moment. I mean, hopefully he he comes good. <laughs> I feel you. Any take on that, Mike? Um, I think it's a good signing. I think it's exactly what they would need, especially if you paid all that money for Kepa and you're not planning on keeping him and Mendy's getting older. So I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, yeah, well, t- only time will tell, to be honest. So, And then uh, last one, kind of some drama going on has been happening all season. Lukaku to enter, willing to take a wage cut. Chelsea possibly selling him on a steep discount from what they just bought him last summer. Yeah, rumors are they want like they want Latero in return, but I can't imagine that's happening. He already committed his no future shot. to Inter if they if as long as they'll, t- they'll have him, you know. But um, I hate to say it, but I th- I think he will be going. Um, I think he's still he still has a foot out the door. I don't think he ever had both feet in the door when he got to Chelsea. To be completely honest with you, um, but I think it makes sense for the club. I think it makes sense for him. I think it makes sense for Inter. So I can't imagine that that's not going to go through. Assuming they're able to negotiate you know the right type of fee out the question now becomes who's going to be able to slot in there whether they play Havertz is a false nine like they did last year but it seems like it seems like a good move for all at this point just get rid of the sour grapes and, and move on what do you um what do you make of Chelsea's striking position obviously Werner hasn't worked out Lukaku clearly is not working out he's basically be out the door at this point um Kai Havertz is the false nine seems to be like one of their better scorers at this point what um where do you think they go from here? It's tough to say. Um, I don't want to like take faith away from Werner because he still he still produces numbers. I mean, for this team, he he has a ton of assists every every year that he's he's played, and he does put in goals, especially some crucial ones in the Champions League. And that year, they went to the final and won it. But I think the style that Tuchel likes to play doesn't particularly suit him, and, and being on the wing is not his preferred position. I think ultimately they're going to end up with Kai Havertz as a false nine up there. Um, and I, truthfully, I think it's really going to depend on Armando Broja. Him and to bring him up, yeah, yeah. Him and um, Connor Gallagher are being recalled to the club, and Sukel has noted that he he's really eager to have them both back and train. And then once they're training, and he gets you know to see him a little further, he'll make a decision. But Broja is extremely highly rated and regarded by the club and, and the players, and he has a couple a couple standing offers from a couple several you know big clubs. So. Well I would like to see him get a shot personally, but we we now live in a in, in a Premier League world where two of the four spots are 100% locked up. And with Antonio Conte at the helmet Spurs, with Harry Kane potentially not going anywhere, and maybe Ten Hag turning it around and Arteta now turning it around at Arsenal, it's going to be harder than ever to make that top four, especially without a true striker. So I think if you're Chelsea, you're still going to take a look around for any good value deals at this point. Yeah, it's a tough market for strikers too. To be to be frank, now that because they were in the line for Holland, there was talks about uh, Lewandowski, but he's probably on his way to Barcelona. Really Said he only wants to go there. Yeah, so I don't really know from like a option perspective who they could really bring in just yet. So we'll see. Well, faith in Brojan might not be a bad thing though. And we also just had some uh, pretty interesting news just come out literally just now, pretty much as we record this podcast. Um, United States men's national team is planned to play Saudi Arabia and Spain uh, in September as World Cup tune-ups. To me, good move. Obviously, Spain top tier opponent. Saudi Arabia maybe more of a uh, you know. Less they're, they're a good. They're a good team. They're, they're, I believe they're in the World Cup, aren't they? Yeah, they both. Yes, yeah. they both are. I'm just saying, you know, compared to Spain, a little bit of a quality difference in that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, United States really wants to keep the uh, the political. The political group alive, Saudi Arabia, England, <laughs> Iran, really gunning for it. <laughs> they go play for a few barrels of oil. We could use some more <laughs> gas prices over here. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, Wouldn't mind that. Paying five bucks a gallon has kind of hurt my soul a little bit with the amount of driving I do. Look, I, I per, out of that, like it's, it's great that we're playing, you know, Saudi Arabia and all, but I, I love the fact that we're going to play against a team of the caliber of Spain. Like, oh, yeah. tune-up games are, are fun and all. Like, oh, look, we're scoring goals and this and that and whatever. I don't give a shit about it personally. I want to play the difficult teams because those are the teams you're going to have to beat in the World Cup. You're not you're not going to play – I mean, no disrespect to Saudi Arabia. Again, not a bad team, but we're playing England in, in the group stage and Wales who are 
are, in my opinion, better teams than them and extremely difficult opponents. And it's only gets harder from there. So the fact that we're playing a team like, like Spain is really refreshing and not just a tune-up match. It's also a challenge to get your head right. Like this is the physicality level you're going to be facing. This is the quality of opponents in the ball you're going to be facing. You want to play, you got to step up to that level. Yeah, definitely. I think it's they're great tune-up games. Absolutely great. World Cup competition, playing World Cup com- caliber teams. So. Yep. Oh, I, honestly, dude, I might have read that wrong. I do apologize. It looks like they're playing Saudi Arabia in Spain, not playing Oh, Spain. oh you suck. <laughs> that was my fault. Dick. I wrote and Spain. Oh, <laughs> God. Just, I got to cut out the last 30 seconds now. <laughs> no, just leave it. It was a good rant. It was very – it was <laughs> solid. No, it made sense. Um, we're going to blame Mike for that one because he wrote that in the chat, and I just double-checked him. I, I, I trusted him, and I, and I shouldn't have. So. So it's just one game then going on. Um, do, do you know what – was it announced when they're going to hold that match? In September. September? Yeah. We're blaming Mike. I got a fact check, though. That's on me. Well, I mean, it's happening in real time. I'm sorry. All right. Well, if you want to hear something funny, I just typed in um, Spain, U.S. men's national team, to try to find that information, and it brought up the last time Spain and America played. June 25th. 1950 <laughs> in the world in the world cup world cup june 25th 1950 spain beat us three to one is the first thing that google brings back when you type in spain us mnt really because we uh we I can't imagine that that's the case right <laughs> what's that did we beat him in the confederations cup three two that's what, like one of the biggest wins we had back in like oh yeah it was yeah i guess i don't know why i pulled that up that was pretty funny i was like eh, i thought we played it more recently it's funny. But, uh, yeah, anything else to kind of add to this, guys? Yeah, one more big transfer we didn't talk about. Paul Pogba returning to Juventus. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's just like joins Manchester United, out. leaves on a free, joins Juventus. Great piece of business. World record fee, not world record. What's a world record at the time when he at, left? At the time, Juventus, it, right? at the time, it was up there. Yeah. It was, close. it was up there, but it was like 90 million. It was up there. Rick Ronaldo's from a couple years prior. But, once again, leaving United on a free. Sorry, I, that is some seriously good business right there. <laughs> they're, they're like, um, what's not a team that just does a lot? Mostly Juventus, a lot of good business. I mean, didn't they get like Juan, Juan Quadrado was cheap. Um, really cheap, actually. I'm thinking about it. Morata was pretty cheap, too, for them. They do a lot of good business over there in Turin. Right, cause, yeah, because they're cooking the books, man. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> They're about to get relegated again. <laughs> yeah. That was Costa. That was the other one. But um, yeah, boys, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, world football, the United States men's national team, and the Premier League. I'm your host, Steve, with Mike and Vito signing off.